Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast CEO and founder with the Flourish Consultancy, Miss Kimberly Stark. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Stone. Well, it is a delight to have you on the show. Uh, I've got a ton of questions. I know we're not going to get to them all, but but I think a great place to start would be if you could articulate for me and our listeners mission, purpose, what what you and your team are are really out there trying to do for folks. Sure. So I... When I entered adulthood, I noticed that there was a gap in the education between what we learn when we're young, and I have a college degree, and what it actually takes to successfully adult. So for about 15 years, I had this idea of a life skills class. Like, what are the things that we really need to know in order to build a successful adult life moving forward? It existed there for, like I said, probably 10 to 15 years, but I decided to take it to market in 2020 as an answer on how do we build true strategy uh, through the adversity that we all face uh, as an employee wellness program. So that is kind of the background. Uh, We have two different ways we speak about it. Our clients are our buyers, our corporations or school districts. And so for them, we speak to it in essence as increasing profitability through preemptively providing education to your employees, increasing engagement, increasing wellness. But to the end user, it's a true personalized strategic plan through adversity or just leveling up your life. But it's not just like a hang in there, you got this, but providing some true tools and strategy in order to build a successful adult life. And it turns out in the long run, it makes a company more profitable as well. Well, it's got to be, it must be incredibly rewarding work. What, What at this point are you finding the most rewarding? What's the most fun about the work for you these days? You know, I guess both. It's sort of like like most entrepreneurs and a lot of your listeners, you like something. So you build a business around it. So that way you can keep doing it. I mean, I'm sure you're a perfect example of this. You like interviewing, you like talking about entrepreneurship, you're great on the radio. So you build this company around it so you can keep going. And I'm no different, right? Like I am a total nerd on personal development. I love it. It's all the books that I read. It's my favorite conversations. I love increasing wellness. You know, it's always been within me to help people. And as I look back in my life, what I wanted to do with my life was always in that vein, but it was always in according to what I, what options I knew at the time. Like, so for instance, when I was younger, I wanted to be a missionary because that was like all I kind of knew on how to help. And then it became a social worker. I had a social work degree and then in college, it turned into a psychology and I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. And as my kids were little, I started mom's group. So it all sort of was that same thing. And now the work that I'm doing is also from that same mission of wanting to help in any way I can and take 
the stories and the adversity combined with my education and continual learning and then package it to help others build their own lives and navigate the adversity that they face because we all face it. It's just going to look differently in each of our lives. So if we can provide some true, like I said, tools to do it, then uh, we can make the entire, you know, kind of culture leveled up. So let's do, let's dive into the work a little bit and we'll pick a scenario. Okay. Maybe you have a client scenario or, or, or we can devise one, but I'd love to hear, I'm particularly interested in the early stages of a relationship with the organization that you're serving in that way. And then maybe what some of the work looks like on the ground with the, uh, with, with the people who are actually going through the, the process. Perfect. Okay. So we have a couple different verticals and I'll just tell you this part, but we have a couple different verticals. We've corporations. So like corporate, for instance, like mutual of Omaha or, or somewhere in that vertical. Mm-hmm. Then we also work with school districts. Ah. And so we have an education space. We also have CPAs is another vertical. So they get their CPE units. We work with hospitality. Uh, so like restaurants to help their staff, but really, so depending on the organization, the contract looks a, a little bit different, but we're doing the same thing The the class itself, it's an eight module master class, and it is offered to the employees within that organization. So let's just say, for instance, a a company, one of your listeners decides to work with me, we'd reach out and then we'd work with them on what is the best way. So think of it as like professional development or an employee wellness program for their employees. We can offer it in a couple different structures. Typically we do once a week for eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks in a one hour Zoom. And during, and I'll let you know like what the content is, um, but sometimes we'll do a half day sort of retreat style deep dive with four follow-up Zooms. Sometimes we'll do two half days, but that's essentially what it is. It's about eight to 10 hours of content and we can structure it and whatever makes sense to the company. I got to believe that the employee, the people who are going through this process, if it's framed properly, and I'm sure not only do you frame it properly, you probably coach and guide your client in how to frame it properly. It's got to be received as a true benefit, my company in, investing in me, is, is that accurate? Yes. And oh, what's so amazing to live in the time that we live is that always we've always probably had this intuitive understanding of a connection between the well-being of your employee and the profitability of the company. Um, but that wasn't always a culture, right? It was a culture before it was like, leave your personal life at home. We don't talk about that here. Like just man up and you know, that's what it is. But the well-being of the employee has always affected company bottom line. Always. It's just now that we're talking about it. Now it's really cool as we have visionary forward thinking leaders that are on the front edge of this who are preemptively wanting to support their employees through a lot of different ways. But ours is specifically through a wellness program, through an education or a class. And you have these managers who want to have these really powerful, productive, well-being conversations with their team, but don't know where to start. And that's where we can come in and say, hey, here's this environment for a shared language. And here's how to start these well-being conversations that will actually level up your engagement, which then levels up your profitability. Yeah. And that kind of engagement can, it sounds to me like it would prepare the ground for 
transitions. I'm from the change management world a long, long time ago when I had black hair. And I know that, you know, managing the human aspects of change was every bit as, as, as uh, uh, daunting as the technical aspects of a merger and acquisition, uh, you know, any, any of that. I would think it would really cultivate the ground and equip your people to, uh, to weather, you know, the, the, the challenges of change, but also make them much more productive. So the content, let's do, do a little bit of a dive into the content. Um, I don't have the work ethic or the intellect or the pedigree to design a curriculum like that, but I would think if I were, I might want to approach topics like mental toughness or resilience or, uh, you know, kind of getting outside of your normal pattern. Are, are those some of the kinds of things that you attack? 100%. Okay. Someone wants to, so what leaders right now need to focus on almost more than anything is how to build, how to relay, how to build within their company and also how to relay building true strategy through adversity on the backside of COVID and the tail end. Mm. And even just when helping people get through their lives, what's the strategy behind it versus just a, you got this or keep your chin up. So that's what we're providing. And also when people just want to level up their lives, they often or or hit some sort of crisis or trauma. The problem is you don't know where to start. So what we want to offer is a plan, is a strategic plan. So with, for instance, the content that you just mentioned, instead of just like a kind of weekly drip of it, without a plan or somewhere to frame, we give them a framework. So that way, when they do get these little bits of knowledge, there's somewhere to hang it in an actual process. So let me walk you through that process. So at the very core of resiliency is a shift of perspective on hardships themselves, is understanding that this, this, the stress that comes at us or the adversity that comes at us if we are willing to shift our perspective on it, can be utilized as a catalyst to not only wisdom or growth or expansion, but ultimately your greatest strengths potentially. So really getting that mindset dialed in and starting to look at stress and uh, hardship and adversity as a invitation to growth and giving the the tools on how to do that. So that is the first step in the in the flourish model. The second step is agency. And you mentioned transition. Well, let me back up is agency. So it's yes, your hardships can be redeemed. What you walk through that's challenging. You can use that for it, but you are the one that has to do it. So if you're holding anyone else responsible, like it's not even in your best interest. So really taking ownership. So in this module, we talk about how do you navigate fear? How do you make yourself keep going even when you're terrified? How do you navigate and build a true roadmap through change? So you were, you were just talking about change management. In this module, we offer a shared language on a roadmap through transition because the scariest thing about transitions is the uncertainty. But mm -hmm. if you know, and this is based on the work of Dr. Virginia Satir, but if you know that every change, every transition has six steps along the way, and now you have the language to be able to identify that step, those steps. So when you're in the middle of chaos and it, what feels like chaos, you have words to it and you know, well, you're right on track. It's a really uncomfortable part of the process, but we can now identify it, have some shared language. You can talk to your team about it. Uh, it's helpful because it's no longer uncertain. You can, you kind of have a bridge. So shift your perspective on hardship. 
own your agency. The next one is imagine forward. This is where we pull in a lot of the data around vision. And we, we talk about something called strategic foresight, which has been used in the military and then in business. And uh, answering this question of typically people think of making wise decisions moving forward, you you pull from from experience, right? That's how you know what to do next is you, you look at the past. But what happens if you're in a situation where there is no previous thing to yeah. pull from? What do you do now? Well, there's this thing called uh, strategic foresight and creating these imagined worlds and starting there. What happens when you start in this imagined world is you get past it. Number one, it, it can also build some strategy and when maybe you haven't gone through something before, but it also pushes you through any self-limiting beliefs you may have. Maybe you don't have a blueprint of anyone in your family who's who has gone through this. So you don't see your self is that way, any imposter syndrome. So we work our, uh, with our clients through this process of strategic foresight and imagining the best outcome on, on the other side of this adversity or change or whatever you're trying to do. And you can do that on a micro level in your own life and ask yourself, what's the most beautiful world I can imagine, both with my health and my relationships and my home, but also on a business level. So those are the first three steps. After that, we hit mindset. So that's what you were talking about, really. But it's not just growth versus fixed and operating out of a growth mindset. We talk about what that is and how to do that. But before we do that, we need to be aware of the thoughts that are even going on in our head. And so we dive really into being aware of your thoughts and potentially the the lenses through which you're seeing and experiencing the world that Number one, you may not even realize you are. And number two, maybe false. They might not even be real. And here you are operating and it's not even like a real belief. Uh, you know, it's a belief you have, but maybe it's not a real thing. Uh, so then, and then switching those out and choosing the beliefs that serve you and move you forward and give provide resilience, um, like resilient mindsets versus mindsets that might stunt your resilience. And then the fifth one is systems. So... Mm. Shift your perspective, own your agency, imagine forward, check your mindset, and then set up your systems. And in the systems one, we talk about automating the fundamentals and, and all of that, but we also pull a lot or push into identity and the role of identity, the role that your own self-identity plays in the efficacy of wanting to change your habits and why you need to start kind of with identity on the front end of changing your habits versus changing your habits and waiting for your identity to catch up. Well, I'm delighted to learn that you're able to do this with a medium like Zoom. It, it, it strikes me that, you, that that gives you a lot more flexibility in, in the ability to reach people you might, it might find it difficult to reach uh, otherwise, at least in a timely fashion. I am a little sure. bit curious, having come from the training and consulting world a long time ago, um, what uh, the mechanism for the what happens after you kind of bring these uh, conversations to the front? To, there, you have you must have discovered a way to really let people chew on them, do some skill practice. Can, can you talk, speak to that a little bit? I, you know, I, I, I'm just, and, and I'm asking, gang, if you ever want to get a bunch of free consulting, get yourself a radio show. You can get just about any answer you want, but I'm genuinely curious of how you can, you know, kind of really get beyond just the, the information sharing piece of it. 
Sure. And you are correct. I am purposeful in that I don't want it to just be a, I mean, hopefully our clients find it entertaining and fun, but I want to really create change in in both our lives and the companies that hire us. So we found a couple pieces that work well for that. So yes, the model of the class is a content or live teaching either through Zoom. We have we have national clients, we have international clients, so those are done by Zoom um, or in person if they're more local or a combination. But yes, it, there's content and then there's a reflection time of them answering some sort of, we call them rewirements, but the exercise of answering the question or applying the content specifically to themselves and then a sort of turn to your neighbor piece and let's uh, chat about it and like a share out. Yes. Right. So that way you're, you're, you're connecting with your team, your colleagues in a way that is different than like a happy hour or a giving, uh, maybe a giving back, which I, I support both, but <laughs> it's just another tool that you can use, but there's a there's, it's like an invitation and say, Hey, we're going to talk about this right now where I find the most success with our clients is to have an internal champion or an internal leader who is, who has a leadership role within the organization, but is just as willing to be vulnerable and show up and tell their stories and tell their failures that they've turned into benefits and say, yeah, I I felt imposter syndrome too, or any of those things. Because what that does is they've now modeled to the team that this is an environment where we're going to talk about this and you can feel free sharing as much as you feel comfortable, but that your story is only going to be a benefit to the greater team because it shows humanness and it shows um, like I said, a, a vulnerability and a willingness to learn and a growth mindset. And those are the clients that I have essentially the most, so much so, so the most um, success with, so much so that now I make sure we have that sort of person in each yeah. of our courses. I bet they learn so much from each other and find uh, and, and are able to help the other person identify strengths and, and, and strategies. I, 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 this peer to peer is the phrase that comes to me, but this peer, this peer to peer learning, like learning from each other, I bet they learn as much, if not more from that than they do just the original content dump, right? That's just almost a catalyst for that, isn't it? Yes, because wow. things content comes alive. I mean, there's definitely content that you hear. Or it's education. So there are things you hear where you're like, oh my gosh, and the lights go off or, you know, go on and, and it really hits, but there's a different level that hits when someone tells their story and someone says, here's an example of when this content meant something to me, or, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about because this happened to me. And it almost like, I'm not kidding you. I know it's in, it's at work, but it ends up being this really powerful energy connectivity experience that happens that ends up changing the dynamic. And now the data show that a per- when a person conveys how they feel about their life and their overall happiness, you know, you have kind of like the main buckets, your work, your relationships, your home, uh, how you feel in your body, all of that. But the number one uh, contributor to how happy, how people 
convey how happy they are is their career well-being. Mm. And one layer below that is the second thing is the how they feel about their manager. So when I, to answer your question before of like why am I doing this work if I'm trying to genuinely increase people's well-being I decided to take it to market as a corporate wellness program versus just, you know, before versus coming a coach because career well-being and how you feel about your manager are the two biggest contributors to how someone feels about their life. So if we can increase their how they feel about their career and their career well-being and their engagement and feeling seen and heard and start there and then we can upscale upskill bosses to coaches through this also education. And then we can deliver this education that helps people apply and build true strategy in their personal lives. And we can make a lot bigger impact. Well, I love the focus and I'm particularly enamored with the, uh, the mechanism or the process. I, it, it just occurred to me and, and I feel like I've experienced this at various points in my life when I've taken a stab at, at, at self-development how much I've gained if we spent that one afternoon, like trying to help Bob or Mary, like, like it was, it was so valuable for me, right? Like I learned, I took a lot away from that. And I can, it it makes all the sense in the world to me that there there would be an X factor and it would be so much more productive and powerful. And it sounds like you've, you've pulled this off. If leadership isn't just writing the check, but they're diving right in there with you, they're being vulnerable, they're learning, they're sharing it. That's wow. You've, uh, I think you've cracked the code on this thing. Well, that is how you make for an impactful leader in the sense that, I mean, I, I, I say this carefully because clearly there are a lot of different facets to being a great leader within an organization. You need to know what you're doing in order to lead the company forward. But this, the, Increasing, if you're looking to increase profitability, engage employee engagement and well being is so tied to profitability. Like we're talking an increase in 20%. So, as a good leader, why wouldn't you, number one, start there? And there's there's 20% increase in profitability right there. But, but even taking it further, people want to work for you. People will, will get to the point where they're where they're wanting to come to work and work for you regardless, because they feel that you're prioritizing their health and they feel seen, they feel like their work matters. You're going to have a much better retention rate. And so you're not going to lose money in needing to train people over and over. And leadership is changing in the, in, in corporate America from this sort of, dominant role. People just have less respect for that now, like in a dominant domineering role. And it's coming more and more conversation around servant leadership. And essentially what, what that's doing is yes, you have to know what you're doing and you have to know how to lead people, but you're coming at it from a a different position and this tie to vulnerability and a tie to a willingness to see your mistakes and then change them and learn and grow and model that to your team only makes for not only a much healthier environment, but a more profitable one. That is an impressive stat, 20%. It would would be one of several compelling things about this whole conversation 
for um, for me. How does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a, for a firm like yours? Is it as simple and straightforward as an ROI conversation, or do you ever find that some senior level execs embrace the conversation a lot quicker and a lot better than than others? Do you do you have to get out there and market? Like, how do you get to have the? I gotta believe if 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 <laughs> someone in leadership has this conversation with you. I'll bet they're writing a check, but I like, do you have to do some sales and marketing stuff to get here? Yes. Good question. That's a really good one because it has changed over the last three years since I've taken this to market in 2020, there was, well, I'll say like, so from the business owner standpoint, right? So when I, when I took it to market, because my mission, as we go back to is that all may flourish. This is the mission I get up and am serving every day that, that everyone has the opportunity to flourish. And I'm helping that mission through education and mindset shifts and essentially mind train the combination of content and mind training. So when I took it to market, my pitch to the the people I was pitching was, hey, don't you want to increase the well-being? How can you support your team through the pandemic on this true strategy through adversity? What I found was that what I was selling was the impact to the end user versus selling the why to my buyer. So my buyer is the company. And sometimes... Ideally, I mean, right? Ideally, the people you're pitching want the well-being for their employees. But that isn't, especially at that time, there was not, there was definitely like an avatar executive who did not want to have these types of conversations at work. And it was very like, that stays at home. So Mm. now, fortunately, that's shifting. But regardless, you do have to you know, if you're pitching the CFO, if you're pitching a company that has shareholders, the conversation I lead with to those hearers of the conversation is increasing profitability. We increase profitability through boosting employee engagement and well-being. And the data show that you need to do both. So the let me let me back it up for you. Career well-being is the foundation of a thriving life, right? And so let me talk about it. So when I talk about it, I talk about it in two ways. I talk about the end user, the employee who's experiencing our class, and then also the buyer, the company who's hiring us for this program. Okay, so from the end user, career well-being, they have found is the very foundation of a thriving life. So as I said to you before, when people feel the happiest about their lives, it's it's most tied to, I mean, of course, everything's intertwined, but it's most tied to career well-being. Why do people feel happy about their career? Because they have high levels in, of engagement. And if they're engaged in their career, they feel a few things. They like what they're doing. They feel like their company sees them. They feel like they're, they can voice their opinion, that their company values the contribution they're making. How do you get increased engagement? The number one, you have a a couple factors, but the number one contributor to increasing engagement is development education. And Mm. that's why we come in here. So we hit development education leads to higher engagement, leads to higher career well-being. And that's why we start there. But you don't get the same stats. It as it by simply increasing engagement, the combination of increasing engagement and increasing well-being that's where you're going to really supersize your stats. Now, from the conversation with the buyer, with our the companies that hire us, yes, 
Data is showing that you can increase profitability by over 20% by increasing engagement levels. And again, how do you get your, your employees engaged? That they feel seen, they heard, they can have well-being conversations, that we're looking at the entire person, we're providing some education on how to build strategy through adversity, not only like when you hit trauma and crisis, but also how to level up your overall well-being. And we're not just talking about like diet and exercise. We're talking about the the entire person. And yes, you can hit diet and exercise and make more impact in in those areas, but you got to start where we start. Perspective, agency, imagination, mindset, systems. Then you can apply that to bodily health, to relationship health, and to career well-being. Before we wrap, I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit, if I can. I'm interested to know, and I think our listeners will be too, about what passions, if any, you might have outside the scope of your work, outside the the scope of what we're talking about. My listeners know I like to hunt fish and travel (laughs) outside of doing what I do with Business Radio X. But anything in particular you have a tendency to nerd out of uh, about or or, or go and pursue that just sort of gives you a little bit of a, a, a break from this? Yes. So, um, and I love this question too, because whenever you ask people this question, they have like one thing, there's just endless combinations, right? You have someone who is a CPA, but they love sewing and they cook on the side or they're just like (laughs) all these combinations that you never expect from people. So, um, well, I would say two things. Number one is that I am also a single mom of four teenagers and I, I have them full time. And so that takes up a lot of my life. And a lot of my focus is uh, they're thriving and they're flourishing. And so that unapologetically is you know, what I'm focused on. I also have a really great community. I'm a I am a California girl through and through and that I grew up on the Monterey Bay in like Santa Cruz and surfing. And now I live in Newport Beach, which is also on the water. So um, we, I am often like for fun, it's on and around the water, whether it's surfing or stand up paddle boarding or fishing or boating or anything that has to do swimming in the water, beach walks. Um, but I will also say, and I'm, this is exciting too. I am launching a second company oh. in, um, I have that, I have a background in travel. I was luxury leisure for a while and then business travel and now am popping back into travel. I'm doing high end luxury leisure, I'm doing a high end luxury leisure travel company. And I think why I love travel so much also goes back to my love for individuality and people and cultures. And, and in the same way, I like focusing on individuals increasing their happiness and well-being. I think that's what I love about travel too, is seeing all the different types of landscapes and people and how people live and food they eat. And that's incredibly, and how small our world is, honestly, it's fat, it's rewarding for me. Oh well, congratulations on on the new on the new effort. We uh, for me, um, one of the reasons that I have been financially ambitious for so much of my career wasn't so much about stacking up the money, but for me, a large expression of that is freedom and a yeah. way to the way that that often manifests for me is the freedom to travel. 
And I really, it's, so that's yeah. one of the reasons that, that Holly and I love to travel so much. We'll have to have you come back on and, and get us updated on that effort at some point, I, if you like. I would be happy to. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, if we could leave our listeners with a, with a few, I'll call them pro tips, just a, a few things they could be reading, doing, not doing, thinking about if they would like to begin to pursue this path of their own toward uh, career well-being. And look, gang, the, the number one pro tip is reach out and have a conversation with Kimberly or somebody on her team. But, uh, you know, maybe there's something that they, they kind of get uh, stimulated by hearing this conversation. And they say, you know what, I'm going to start thinking more about this. Are there are a few actionable things that we could be thinking about or doing to sort of begin to move in that direction? Sure. I would say begin. Okay. I would say a couple of things. It is a game changing to start shifting your perspective of hardships and knowing that as things come at you, start asking yourself, what can I learn from this? What is this here to teach me? Okay. I would also say in this process, you have to be aware of, like I said earlier, what your thoughts even are. One tool to help you do this is a daily writing practice. I'm a huge proponent of a daily writing practice. And even my clients are like, what do we write? I'm telling you, just get something to write. And before you log on to your email or anything in the morning, like grab your coffee and go and just figure, find out what's in your head. One exercise that I use for my clients in order to do that is to take your paper and write different quadrants and write little, like kind of the buckets of your life, your career, your relationships, how you feel in your body, where you, how you feel about your home and your activities and your community and get really quiet with yourself and write down what are your thoughts in your head in each of those areas. Like when you think about your career, what's the first sentence that comes into your head? And we're, we're operating day in, day out without realizing the lenses or the thoughts or the beliefs that we're, we're engaging with the world based on. So first you need to be aware of what that is. Then I would say, and, and when I did this in my own life, for example, when I got really clear about like what even the thoughts were in my head around these, they were awful. They were awful. <laughs> I had no idea I was even engaging with the world through this like belief system or thought or fear. Essentially, it was like fear, right? So then turn the page, write those buckets again, and answer this question. What is the most beautiful life that I can imagine? What's the best life I can imagine in each of these buckets? But don't just write it out and write the answers. Write it out in the framework of preemptive gratitudes. There's a lot of research that backs gratitude and how it changes your day. It changes how you interact with the world. But write it out in this structure. I am so grateful that. But don't just write what you're grateful for. I want you to write a made up thing, an imagined world, what your world looks like. So for instance, you know, you want to up level your, your physical health. I am so grateful that like in your most imagined world, you're doing an ocean swim every day. So I am so grateful that I did two ocean swims in a row in your most beautiful world. Like you're closer with your brother. I am so grateful that like we've met up twice this month. So get clear about what that looks like. And I'm telling you, like, blow it off. So in your career, if you want to write a book or whatever, I'm so grateful that I'm out with a publisher. Um, but start there. And then what you do, if you're daily writing, you're constantly going back and looking at those lists. And what happens 
is number one, you're, you've now gotten rid of those dumb frameworks and dumb thoughts that have been holding you back. And number two, you're starting to dream about like, what do you want? And if you really believe like the the world is your oyster and you start there, don't think about like how you're going to make it happen. Just start there first. Then you can little by little begin to see little micro steps that are starting to get you closer to that. And that's where the real fun begins. And now you know what you're getting up and shooting for every day. You have a plan that you kind of like given yourself a blueprint and backed it out. I am so glad I asked. I now have a new mantra, preemptive gratitude. I wrote it. Perfect. Perfect. I am so grateful that. Yeah. All right. What's the best way for our listeners to reach out, maybe have a more substantive conversation with you or someone on your team, start to tap into some of your work, whatever you feel like is appropriate, uh, you know, the coordinates, LinkedIn website, whatever. Sure. So any information on the Flourish Consultancy, you can go to theflourishconsultancy.com. To reach out to me directly, you can email me at Kimberly at theflourishconsultancy.com. But honestly, I am active in two social um, apps or platforms, and that is Instagram. I'm Kimberly. I'm at Kimberly Ann Stark on Instagram. And feel free to DM me. I love having conversations with people who also nerd out on this stuff. It's a, I'm totally fine with you reaching out, even to bring us in that way. Uh, and then I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn at Kimberly Ann Stark on LinkedIn also. Well, Kimberly, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show this afternoon. Thank you for sharing your insight, your perspective. Keep up the good work. The the work you're doing is so important, and we certainly appreciate you. Thank you, Stone. It was a pleasure. Thanks for the invite, and thanks for the conversation. They're my favorite. Well, the pleasure is all mine. All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, CEO and founder with the Flourish Consultancy, Miss Kimberly Stark, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you in the fast lane.